awesome if you had your own podcast. Yeah, we thought about it, but That's I'm awesome. happy to be here today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're thrilled. We're absolutely thrilled. If mine will cooperate. There we go. Good. All right. We're all set. All right. Let's go. All right. Hello and welcome to Get Real. My name is Josh Morgan, aka the Renovating Realtor. And I'm Gavin Townsend, longtime real estate investor with a background in education in the arts turned licensed sale professional. We're two realtors in the Western New York area who love talking all things real estate. We cover a wide variety of topics with an aim to educate and entertain you. No matter your role as a buyer, seller, investor, enthusiast, or another real estate professional. You can trust that we're always going to be upfront and honest no matter what topic we're discussing. So listen up and get ready to, to get, get real. Today we are talking to attorney Robert Strassel and we are covering all things landlord tenant and maybe some more. I yeah. don't know, Gavin? New York State, yes. It's a it's a, a big topic, right, Robert? I mean, where does one even begin? But we know that you're uh, an expert in this field. Uh, we love working with Robert. Robert's come and done some in-service meetings with us in our Hunt office here in Batavia. Yeah. And I think that's really where you piqued our interest maybe about a few months ago or even maybe it's even been up to a year ago. Maybe a year, yeah. Yeah, when yeah. we were talking about that. And we know that there's some changes happening in the climate, um, uh, why people are renting, why they're not renting, why people are wanting to invest in properties and be a landlord, why they might not be. Sure. So welcome today sure. to the Get Real podcast, Robert. We're so thrilled that you're here. And this is your first podcast. First podcast. So thank you very much. I love That's it. Awesome. I love so it. it's going to be yeah. beginner's luck. It's, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> well, Robert, it's awesome. why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, how you started your career, what uh, sure. maybe when you started, and a little bit about how it progressed a little bit. Sure, absolutely. Um, I graduated from UB Law School in 2011, uh, hung a shingle out in Niagara County, Lockport, New York, doing criminal law. That's the first area okay. I practiced in. Uh, is the first area I could get into. Um, but from there, we grew our family. I needed more stable uh, employment, started working at a firm in uh, Wyoming County, and from there it just really took off. Uh, I learned from some really good guys uh, how to do real estate, all things real estate, landlord-tenant. Yeah. Uh, that was a big part of our practice. Um, even before I graduated law school, I interned with, uh, with an attorney in Sarasota, Florida, and we were doing some uh, landlord-tenant law. So I've seen it in different states. Uh, I've done okay. it That's major- great. Yeah, in New York as well, uh, a lot of it. The environment's changed a lot, but um, as far as me, uh, that's sort of where, where we work. And we work in real estate all day long, I mean, anything property. Uh, landlord, tenant, buying and selling, obviously, as you know, is the, is the biggest uh, part of our practice. Um, but we also do like real property litigation. Okay. Um, we have claims that evolve from landlord-tenant issues to actually what they call quiet title issues, uh, where who you think is a tenant... They might say, "Hey, actually, I think I own it," and 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 so that that's like a step up above a, a landlord tenant. So that, that's uh, that's what we practice in. Was there something about um, criminal law that you didn't like, or you just kind of gravitated and fell into the real estate portion of it? Yeah, I, I actually still practice it. Um, I do uh, a lot for the counties around here. I do a lot of assigned counsel work for people, uh, low income people mm-hmm. who can't who can't afford representation. Okay, so I fill a role in that and. and I, I appreciate it. I like it. I think it's yeah. very valuable to the uh, 
uh, community and, and society in general to have somebody just, uh, you know, looking out for making sure that rules are being followed, laws are being followed. Um, so I still do that, but real estate is, is really my passion. Um, you know, I, I learned from some really good guys how to do it. Mm -hmm. um, so we're a full service firm. I mean, we do title insurance. We do title reviews, cash, finance, lending representation, um, buying, selling, family transfers, and any and all part of, of real estate transactions we do. And I've also been involved in some in some really heavy litigation mm -hmm. concerning real property when I was at that firm, and I still continue it to this day. Um, it's just something. It's a it's a it's a technical area of the law, really, um, and uh, you have to make some good comprehensive arguments. Not that you don't in other fields, um, but it's really you, another counsel, and the judge, and you're trying to explain your position. And uh, you know the land use laws go back centuries and centuries and centuries. I mean, yeah. we're we're based our our statutory law, so we're a statutory law society where the laws are, are written in these books, and uh, you read them, and it, and it tells you how to operate, and then from there courts interpret them. Um, but it's really based upon the common law, which, mm -hmm. which came over, uh, you know, uh, from Britain. And uh, so and then it goes back farther than that. I mean, land use yeah. law has been around since, uh, you know, Moses' time, really. I mean, you can, it's, it's, it's old. Yeah. It's fascinating. Sometimes when you get these, these title reports and abstracts and stuff, and you're going way, way back in time and reading that history, it's really interesting, you know. Yeah. And, and I think there's a lot to be said for that. And I think we we get really caught up in the transactional thing of the of what it is now, but there's a history and a story behind each and every single piece of property. There is. Um, you know, uh, if you find an older abstract, and it goes back to like the 1700s, yeah. early 1800s, you'll see there's always someone who's at the top of it who owned pretty much all, all, of, it. all of it at one time, like the <laughs> yeah. East Coast at least. Yeah. Uh, New York, the New England region. Uh, his name is William Wilhank, okay. actually, and he was... Uh, I don't know. He was blessed in some manner to sure. have a royal decree that says that he owned, you know, this part of the continental United States. So whenever you're looking at an abstract, you can really see when it started at him, and then it devolves all the way down. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. So it yeah. all comes down to one person almost. It, it, it all <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that goes person. back. To, actually, that's go back to one person. It does most of the time. Yeah, the Helen Land Company. Joseph Ellicott. Yeah. Um, you know, fascinating story. Maybe we'll have you come back on and talk about that a little yeah. bit. I think that would be fascinating. It, but it's fun stuff. It's yeah. a cool part of our history here, and I think a yeah. lot of people don't understand how far reaching that is. I mean, it's pretty special that we have this. In fact, the building where we're sitting right now originally was, it is now, of course, but it was at one point a real estate office. Okay. Uh, people coming back and forth, um, they were. Uh, buying tickets to um, get on the ship from Europe and back and forth, and they were actually doing real estate transactions here too. So interesting, big part of our history. It but, is. but what? And I love the fact that you've got the Florida experience, Robert, yeah. because yeah. connection to you right? as yeah. we well. But as we all know, so many of us in Western New York in general have a relationship with Florida. Yep, you're a snowbird. You have property down there. You have family down there. There's a lot of coming and going. And reciprocity a little bit, I would say, between Florida and New York. So it's great to sure. have that um, knowledge base as well. But let's yeah. jump right into what our topic for today is. And sure. we're really going to get into um, landlords, tenants, and all that good stuff and what happens here in New York State. It's complicated, right? It's complicated. It's gotten more complicated. 
that's it's getting that's what I tell people when they come. You know, it's complicated. They're like, well, you know, you just, it's a really. I get someone who calls me and says, "Hey, I have a really quick question for you," and I'm like, "It's not going to be quick." That is not a quick question. <laughs> it's a no. lot more uh-huh. in depth than that. Um, and and really, uh, New York's in this. Uh, I'd say new era as far as landlord tenant laws. Um, I, I think there's a lot of positives to it. Okay. I do think there are some drawbacks to it as well. Um, but for the most part, it, that's what the law is, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we have to work within that and uh, follow those uh, you know, uh, rules and, and statutory alignments that tell you that this is the way it works for landlords, this is the way it works for tenants uh, in residential leases. And the commercial landlord-tenant relationship has, has pretty much stayed the same, um, but the, the residential is really is where the, the changes have come. Um, is the commercial space more um, freer, I guess I could say, or, or more, it has a lot of more like slack to it and it's not as strict? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's not as, uh, I mean, because when you're dealing landlord tenant, you're living, you're, you're dealing with living spaces, you know, uh, where, where people are, are laying their head every night. So, it's emotional. Yeah. So there's, there's carbon monoxide smoke alarm. Whereas in a, in a commercial, it's sort of, you know, you're in business, the tenant, so to speak. Um, you should really know what you're doing while you're in business. And so, um, I guess I wouldn't say safeguards is less safeguards, but it's not as, uh, as heavily regulated. Got it. More business law related. Maybe it can be. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. A lot, lot different. I mean, if you have to evict a, a commercial tenant, for example, um, you know, that's okay. This, that's a business. Whereas you're, if you have to unfortunately evict a person, you're evicting them out of their home. Where do they right. go? What do they do? Exactly. Seems a little work. bit more cut and dry. Yeah. Like, okay, well, you didn't pay your rent, so you can't Correct. occupy this space anymore. Correct. You had a business agreement to do that, and now you breach that, and now you have to go. Yeah. Yeah. And you have this amount of time to do that. Correct. That- yeah, that's that's fair enough to say. Yep. Um, but in the residential, uh, you know, 2019 was a, a monumental change. I've been practicing since 2011. Um even before that, down in Florida, like I mentioned, uh, just watching other attorneys do uh, landlord-tenant law down there, uh, then doing it while I, I was working as a younger attorney. Um, those cases uh, were, you know, you could you could get them done. If, well, it depends on what you're doing, right? If you're representing landlords or tenants, right? Um, a lot of the time, you could just go to the the justice court. That's where. Um, all the, the proceedings happen. They still do justice courts. So if you're in a town, say the town of Batavia, mm-hmm. you're going to go to the town of Batavia justice court. Uh, if you're in the city, you'll go to city court. Um, that's not a justice court, but the, the town court is. Village courts, those are justice courts. And there's justices of the peace. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're, you're presenting your case to them. And most of the time, landlords didn't have attorneys. Tenants didn't have attorneys. They would just go in front of the judge and, and the judge would sort of make a decision. Right. There wasn't really, nobody was like counting days. Uh, very, very rarely would you ever find uh, someone, you know, open up a, a law book and, and read the right. real property actions and proceedings law. The RPAPL is actually where all the statutory law is. You, you, you didn't see that. Um, you would have landlords who uh, were... You know, um, you know, you can, they can stay a week and then they got to go or, you know, um, give me a month to make your payment. Um, and it was sort of loosey-goosey, uh, so sure. to speak. Um, you know, there, there's, there, were, there were positives to that as well, I think. I think you had a lot, of, a lot more, uh, you could have a lot more friendlier discussion than, than you do these days. These days... It's so adversarial. It's very, very adversarial. Why? I, I feel like the, I feel like the, because the law, I feel like... 
for whatever it's worth, I, I do feel like the statutory uh, guideline of it has made it that way because now, um, you know, and I'll talk about some resources that I think are good for both landlords and tenants later on. I like that. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a tenant looks at, at one handout, a landlord looks at another handout, and it's very adversarial. Like, yeah. these are my rights, these are my rights. And, you know, for whatever it's worth, I, I do think it's actually hurt the. The, the renting uh, atmosphere. Mm. Um, you're having a lot more landlords who are... You mean, I'm sorry, you mean as a whole? Right? As, a, as a whole. As a whole, for, like, it, yeah. laws or rules or anything, it, it makes the whole transaction adversarial as opposed yeah. to conversational. Correct. Right? Yeah, and, and I, I understand that the statutory alignment of why it is that way because sure. there were a lot of shortfalls. There were a lot of pitfalls. I mean, just take, for example... Uh, back in, just say, 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, if you wanted to evict somebody, you'd give them a three-day notice. Uh, you know, if you, if you if the judge didn't know the law very well, you could sort of say, hey, judge, you know, we want uh, this tenant out within a day, and they'll send the sheriff right over there, and then that family's completely evicted out of their house mm-hmm. within 24 hours. I mean, that might not have, not have been, like, the, the proper thing to do, but I saw it happen a lot. Um, and, and a lot of people were uninformed of what their rights were. So Correct. you... You ended up having these families saying, pleading their cases like, uh, you know, where are we supposed to go for tonight? And, and they're on hard times, okay? And you had a, a very strict landlord. Um, so the, the new laws do alleviate that, um, but they also do make it more adversarial because now the tenants are like, well, these are my rights and the landlords are, are very protective. These are my rights. And so, um, I mean, uh, basically, we're just working within the system that there is, all right? Yeah. And, um if everyone's informed from the outset, we, we know how this is going to go. And we know what, uh, what uh, stages are next, if, if there are any stages to be had. Uh, hopefully, we just hope that our landlords have a great experience in uh, you know, renting their properties as a source of income. And we hope tenants have a place to live and enjoy it. I mean, that's really, instead of flavoring as adversarial, it would be so much more productive if everyone could have a positive attitude about it. And say, Absolutely. You know, because landlords are, are putting a lot on the line. They're putting a lot on the line. They're paying the taxes. They're going to be responsible for, you know, delinquent water bills, sewer bills. They're, they're responsible for maintaining the property. Safety. Um, safety. And, and the tenants, uh, you know, they are entitled to their rights, too. It has to be habitable. Yeah, right? absolutely. I mean, it has to be. It can't be run down. You have to be a good landlord to them if they ask. I mean... If the batteries run out in the smoke alarm, I mean, you should you really need to get over there and fix that. Those are the things. Furnace, so, all the mechanicals. Yeah, so everyone's putting a lot on the line, and um, I mean, tenants are spending a lot of money as well. So yeah, absolutely. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, more than ever. More than more than ever now too, because you're seeing a lot of uh, this just the way that this, this law is designed. And, and by the way, the the law really changed in 2019. Okay. There was a monumental shift in the landlord tenant laws. Um, and it's and right before COVID, because then in COVID adds another layer. I know. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. So. So. Yeah. Um, so t- tell us a little bit more about that 2019 shift, and then then what happened as a result of COVID. Yeah. So um, when so just take for example and say pre 2019, um, you could give somebody a non payment letter, and it was a three day or leave seventy two hours. Okay. Um, once that seventy two hours. Uh, expired, you could go to the justice court, uh, get a date. There was usually like a gap in there, about seven to ten days. Statutorily, it was supposed to be a little bit longer, but just depending on when you could actually get into court, if the court was even open, 
um, you'd, you'd, get, you'd get in there and if it's city court, obviously they have city court calendars, the city of uh, um, Batavia, city of Buffalo, city of Rochester, they sort of have like their own housing courts these days mm-hmm. that they're uh, operating on a schedule. But before then, um, you know, you'd give them a 72 hour notice and that was at 2019, changed it to 14 days. Okay. Those are just some of the changes. Um, pre-2019, there was a lot of 30-day notices that, uh, hey, we're going to, the lease is expiring or we're giving you 30 days notice that we don't want to renew it or we're not going to carry on a month-to-month rental anymore. Right. Well, now that now there's a, a new statutory guideline of, you know, you can give the 30-day notice if it's a, uh, if the tenant's been there for a year or less, right. you can, but if it's more than a year, but less than two years, it's 60 days. Anything over two years is 90 days. Um, and there's some good and bad about that. I mean, really that's, uh, so that was, those are the monumental changes in 2019. There's also changes to, and there's been newer changes as well. They're just sort of being layered on, but, um, you know, how they're served, how you have to present the papers to the court, um, who can do the service, uh, what happens if a tenant wants to withhold rent? Um, how a landlord should be holding any type of security deposit? Yeah. Uh, there's they, they really what what I guess the statutory guidelines did was was take rules that more I would say responsible landlords were already using and they sort of codified them. Okay. okay. And then they you know with your more responsible tenants, um, they offered more protection to those more responsible tenants. That that was. And they sort of codified them. People were already doing these things. Okay. And that's sort of why it bubbled to the surface the way it did. Um, but a lot of people, were, like I said, were already doing these things. Now the state and the legislature enacted this law to sort of codify what, what everyone's doing. Uh, there's been, like I said, ups and downs with that. And it's still a really, it's a, it's a very complex area of the law. Um, a lot of it's found in, like you can, so New York's a statutory law state. Um, all the laws are written down. You can actually go to the section of the law and read it yourself. Okay. You don't have to be a lawyer to do that. Um, it's called the Real Property Actions and Proceedings Law, okay. RPAPL, uh, under Summary Proceedings, Section 7. Uh, there gives a, 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 a good breakdown of the laws of, of who's a tenant, who's a landlord. Um, but And that's a good resource for landlords and tenants, right? Correct. I mean, that's, it's there. It covers both sides of... Of mm-hmm. the transaction. Everything. Of, of the relationship, I should say. Right. Yep. Yeah. And then there's general provisions. There's like general business law provisions. There's uh, real property law provisions. There's there's some there's some different sections of the law that you'd have to sort of have a little more knowledge to go and dig into it and find them. But uh, yeah. the resources are available. Like So when I, when I give you those resources to share today, and it actually comes from the attorney general's office. The attorney general... Is uh, you know the 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 law enforcer sort of 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 all of New York State. Uh, they're looking out for consumers in, in all respects, uh, landlords, tenants. So they put out some handouts. Uh, you know, a tenant's guide. Okay, they put out a handout for a landlord's guide, and those are really what I follow because, as the you know the ultimate say on the law, not 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 that they have it, the courts actually do, but they're the ones who are are sort of enforcing it, and this is their their interpretation. So it's a good. It's a good uh, place to start and read them. Um, but like I said, 2019 happened, and, th- and that was a monumental shift in, in my practice because it sort of, I knew it was coming, I just didn't know what it would look like. And from there, it, it really disrupted a lot of my relationships and how I was operating with, with, with uh, landlords and tenants. Um, yeah. I had to relearn all the rules, had to 
Adjust your processes, maybe? Adjust my processes, yeah. I had to even help some of the courts. You know, you had to sort of work it with the courts because the courts were like, well, this isn't how it's supposed to be done. Actually, Gently educate people? Gently educate them, yeah. This is the way it's supposed to look now. And then all of a sudden, COVID happened. Yeah. COVID happened, didn't it? <laughs> and just that, that, not only did it take what I was trying to learn, it added a, you know, a thousand percent layer to it that okay. really um, just, just, changed the the landscape i mean you had i'll just give you a couple examples you had landlords who were right who you know were writing messages to tenants on their roof and spray paint okay saw that uh, uh, yeah and, i saw that yeah <laughs> and then but then you had some tenants who were working you know making very good money and a very respectable job who weren't paying their rent and because they couldn't get into court to. they yeah, didn't have to get into court and and next thing you know they're, they're pulling up but this is a true story uh, someone pulled up with a Harley to this house they were renting. It probably had to be sixty, seventy thousand dollars easily, and they hadn't paid their rent in six months. And this is, yeah, I mean, you had, so you had, so so COVID really just, just I don't, I, I still can't explain it. I'm still working through it. Honestly, I had some evictions uh, that we had started during COVID, and they're just finishing up. Wow. I mean, they're just finishing up two, three years later. We're still just wrapping those files up, and now that a lot of the COVID protections for, I guess, really tenant protections in, in a lot of respects. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know policy-wise whether it was really good for landlords. I, I tend to think it really hurt the landlords very bad. And it's a, it's a, it's a circle argument because it hurt the landlords. Sure. Okay. That's just my opinion. I'm sure that other people have other opinions. Sure. Uh, um, but it, you had landlords, their, their, their ability to pay their taxes, that wasn't suspended. Okay, so they still had that. There was mortgage relief for some for property owners yeah, to an extent, yeah. but what if you owned yeah. that property free and clear? Yeah, like you said, the tax alleviation or something like that. There yeah. wasn't any benefit that mm -hmm. way. And even if it wasn't uh, accurate in some respects, I think a lot of it was blown out of proportion. I, I do know of a lot of ugly cases that happen both ways, mm -hmm. um, but you had this perception. Uh, landlords had a perception that they were being targeted, and whether it was accurate or not. That's, that's the way a lot of folks feel. And it's trickled into this new, we'll say like the third stage of these new regulations. We had 2019, we had COVID, and now it's sort of like an evening of the playing field, so to speak, where we're back to these 2019, okay. we've worked through COVID. And, and I think you have a really cold market out there a lot of times for the landlords. The landlords aren't really, I had a lot of landlords sell a lot of their stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they just sold it because they, they don't want to be in that position ever again and it's maybe it's not as clear-cut of an income as, as it was pre-2019 we'll say um yeah. it was it was a good business um and and i think it's it's hurt it's really hurt the tenants too because now you have these landlords who it's not like your you know your mom and pop landlord uh it's it's, it's commercial landlords right people who own several buildings at once who are, are making a business out of it sure. and you know, they're not just say, hey, you can rent my place. No, no, they've they found counsel. They have their lease agreements looked at. They, they have counsel on standby to say, hey, you know, this is the deal. This is what's happening. What do we do next? I mean, so it's that's where that adversarial nature has yes. come in. Um, because now you have, it's a, it's a, if, if, if you're going to treat us, the landlords, so to speak, as, as operating a business, then you're, you're going to get business people in there who are doing business things. And yeah. so, so there's no time, there's no time to have, you know, 
a conversation, so to say, right? It's right. Because of the notice changes, because of how long it takes, because of how long it, you know, it takes to get into a court, you know, you say, okay, at the first sign, we're sending out letters and these are the notices and yeah. here we are. And if you're not, if it's not resolved in 14 days or 30 days or whatever the notice states, then, then proceedings go. Yeah. And that's the way it has to be. It's the way because it has to be. If not, then you're saying, okay, now, you know, 90 days, 180, 360 starts from the latest point of the notice. Correct. So now we're just postponing it, right? And from a landlord's perspective, so you're saying, I have no other choice. Yeah. I guess is what could be the argument made. Yeah. And so yeah. that's what happens. Yeah. Just... Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a it's a it's a business transaction these days. It's not a you're you're not finding just a, hey you can camp out here for a little bit, you know, get yourself on your feet, pay a couple of bucks here and there. No, 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 because you get, you know, it's just ten, slippery slope. Slippery slope. Um, but uh, so those are the recent changes. I mean, um, th that's. I mean, there's there's new notices, and and so I'm just I'm thinking here of really what else has changed. Um, those are the what most if a landlord Robert tries to do this on their own? I mean, obviously we we're talking business, and we're talking how this um, rental has become a business with processes and time frames and deliverables and all of that. Do you ever find that anybody's successful in doing that on their own? They've got to engage legal counsel, right? To do yeah, it right? Yeah, you have Because to. why are you going to waste time? You, you started this way and then all of a sudden you realize the last three months you wasted your time. You probably should have started with somebody like you right away. Yeah, yeah. Do you run into that a lot? I do. I have a lot of tenants who try uh, self-help. Um, not necessarily going banging on the door and whatever. I mean, that's legal, okay? There's tenants have rights for self-help measures. But self-help in the sense of, okay, well, I had my my wife go and serve the tenant, and here's the notice we gave them, and we did it 30 days ago, but they did it like on like the 15th. That doesn't. That's not a good notice. It has to be done by the first, and so you're losing all this time. Mm -hmm. right. um, yeah, I mean, you can lose a substantial amount. The smallest mistakes can cost you two, three months worth of rent if you're not doing it correctly. Um, that's why we we engage with. Uh, private process servers, uh, former law enforcement officials okay. who, who know how to do service. You know, you can't just send, uh, you know, Willie, your nephew, down to go right. and hand someone a piece of paper. No, 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 no. no Dressed no. in a UPS uniform, <laughs> right? right? Yeah, no, like no. you see in the movies. Right. Like, yeah. Hey, are you so and so? <laughs> yes. There you go. You've been served. Yeah, <laughs> no. Uh, I think there was a vanity part of it yeah, <laughs> through yeah, Hollywood. Yeah. Um, so, no, you have to do it right, though. And, uh, that that's what I see. I see a lot of people make a lot of mistakes. They, I what I will say too though is um, it, it's changed the market in the sense that our fees have gone up. Our fees have had to go up. The process server fees have had to go up because demand, right? Demand and and now you're on these very strict uh, and not that they weren't strict before, but it's more adversarial. This is and and so it's it's cost a lot more. Whereas you could go to court once with a tenant and say, hey, you know, you haven't paid in like three months. The guy's been you know, very generous with you. Could you at least like just head out here soon? And yeah, okay, it's fine and it's over. They were at court. It meant something. But nowadays, it's not. I mean, it's you. You have to be prepared for this. This is not a, you know, three hundred fifty dollars. Quite frankly, was my my base fee back in you know about fifteen sixteen. Now you're talking over a thousand dollars easily to to do one of these. And 
and do it right because and, and time right. is money. That's right. It's a lot of waste of time. And I remember yeah. the, the what my one of my takeaways with our conversations previously, Robert, is cash for keys. Yep. You taught me that. That yep. at the end, it's it's time is money and cash for keys, and it doesn't matter what's right, what's wrong. If you want to resolve this transaction, that's what ends up happening often. Yep. I, I do recommend that to a lot of a lot of clients of mine. Um, I have a lot of people who try to engage me. And I say, you know what, just go and talk to them. It's a lot easier than joining in this process. And uh, a lot of people have success. Um, I think uh, it works out better for the landlords in some respects. I, I think it's unfortunate that you have to go to that measure, yeah. um, offering somebody who's not paying money to leave. But um, at the end of the day, if you do want it resolved from a landlord's perspective, it, it might not be a that's sort of your best bet sometimes sure. um, because the legal process can be very, very arduous. And if you forget something in this, I mean, you have to be very, very tedious with these laws. Like if you're not yeah. serving them right and, and you, you go in front of a judge who, who does know the laws as well as you do, um, you could find yourself in, starting in, over, starting over. And I've that, heard stories kind of, I don't want to call them horror stories, but they're just stories, right? Of yeah. folks, you know, getting all the way through the process and, making a misstep, whether it be paperwork or filing or, sure. you know, even saying, the wrong, even saying the wrong thing, right? Yes. What did you do? And you're like, oh, I did this. And you're like, yeah, no. Yeah. It's a, it's a quick, uh, it's a, there's, there's swift reactions these days. You have to be very, very careful about what you say, what you do and how you do it. Um, and, and that's just the nature of it these days. Uh, and it's like, like your lease agreements. Okay. So lease agreements, um, everyone's entitled to a, a decent lease agreement. Um, I used to have clients who could go to, you know, I, I never preferred it, but they would just go to Google and find some sure. lease agreement. And, and they would, Judge that. Yeah, just, just, yes, they would. I'm going to put in a little of this. I think in a office, at Office Max, you could buy them. You yeah. could yeah. buy to, yeah. like a packet of paper. And yeah. it was like, here's a starter packet of papers that will get you, yeah. go, get you going. Yeah, right. Uh, no, it does not work like that. Like, I mean, you could have done that, you know, pre-2019, but now... Um, I mean, you have to have a, a very, very substantiated lease, not only for the tenant, but for the, the landlords as well. Um, and uh, I mean, the, the law tells you how that lease has to read sometimes, you know, what you can charge for uh, security deposits, for example. Um, you know, you used to be able to charge, you know, first month's and last month's rent. You could sort of set your own security deposit, keep it in your, your own personal account if you wanted to. And, and you're fine, right? I mean, you're fine. You're honest. You're fine. It's good. Um, but but not anymore. Now you can only charge the the one month's rent at a maximum. Uh, you have to have a separate uh, quote unquote trust account mm -hmm. that's separate from your personal account, so the the, the funds aren't commingled. Mm -hmm. um, and you can understand why that is because Absolutely. a lot of times tenants would they were good tenants. And they'd be like, hey, can I get my security deposit back? And, and it's gone. It's gone. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that 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 that's, that that works. Um, and but uh, back to the lease agreements, yeah. So your lease agreements have to be well substantiated. It's very good to go and talk to, you know, a real estate practitioner or somebody who does landlord tenant law. Have them look at any lease agreements you have most of the time. And, and I think it'll happen more and more. It's happening more and more in our office uh, as we're learning this law. We're coming out with, with pretty much standard, you know, maybe you can, one day you can go to Office Max again and buy it. Sure. But right now we're working all the bugs out. Um, so I, I'm, I'm constantly changing my lease agreement to fit my client's needs, okay. uh, fit the situation. But a lot of the statutory provisions are going to stay the same. As long as the law doesn't change, we can keep our 
our agreements how they are. Um, but you know, people do silly things. They they say you know you can't. They'll they'll, they'll draft up their own lease agreement and they'll say you know you can't fly this flag outside of oh this boy. building or you can't <laughs> you know you can't uh, you know walk your dog from three to two you know who knows I mean just really yeah. funny stuff. Yeah. So you look at some of these lease provisions and, and it's like that's that's odd number one and number two it's just and not. How gonna is work. that ever going to hold up? It I doesn't. Mean, okay. No. I yeah. mean no. How often does somebody ask you, uh, Robert, I want an ironclad lease? Oh, everyone wants that. I want one too. I tell them if they find it, let me know. Let I'll me pay know. them for it. Okay? Because it's, it's, I understand where they're going with that. And oftentimes that's coming from the perspective of the landlord. But it, would, it couldn't be possibly be ironclad if it's going to represent both sides of the transaction for the tenant. Um, support as well as the landlord. Yeah, and I, I and I, you know, I, I'm glad to hear. You know, it's it's, it's an organic thing. We're still yes. kind of dealing with approaching the new changes and trying to come up with something. But the minute you get that ironclad lease, I see <laughs> there's going to be a change. I see some folks online. And they're like, "Well, is it in your lease? And if it's in your lease, then that then that's what's the guideline. That's what it is." And it's like, "No, no, right? And that's no. not. You can't. Su- your lease doesn't supersede the law. Correct. Yes. <laughs> You can't even you said it right. Yeah. You cannot yeah. supersede the law, and you cannot sign your rights away, Correct. like as a as a tenant, right? Correct. Yeah. So it can't be, uh, you know, you. For example, I mean, if this is a security deposit, if, this, if some landlord says, "Hey, you know, my security deposit's five thousand uh, dollars, rent's seven fifty, well, that's not, that that doesn't fly, okay? Right. And and uh, or credit based rent. Credit-based deposits. Yeah, you know, correct. Oh, yeah, your credit's really low, so we're going to increase your deposit amount. Correct. Yeah, you can't do stuff like that. No. Yeah. Um, do folks typically, Robert, uh, do the security deposit equal to the monthly rent payment? Is mm-hmm. that typical? Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, for a while, people were doing a lot more. Okay. They, they were, and there was nothing wrong with it. I don't know if if this statutory alignment is the best. I, I do think that the first and last month's rent was... Yeah. You know, I, I did like that because sometimes it's, a, I mean, just think, just think about this for a minute. If there was a tenant who had lived at this place for two years and 90 days, okay, so they get a 90-day notice of, of non-renewal, okay? So, that, so that's 90 days. So what happens when they stop paying their rent? Their lease is up and you only have a very... You know, seven hundred fifty dollars security deposit, one month's rent. Okay, right. well, they basically got three months to stay there if they really wanted to, mm-hmm. or you're going to have to engage an attorney, thousand dollars at a minimum, mm-hmm. and you have to chase them. You have to go to court proceedings, take time off from work. So I mean, just that alone—that's that's two thousand to three thousand dollars in expenses, because the statutory guidelines say that you can only collect one month's uh, rent for security deposit, and they have ninety days to leave. Do and, the math. <laughs> and do the math. Now, now some, I, think, I think the opposing argument would say, well, you can file a, a, you know, a 14-day notice to quit. Okay? But what, if, but what if the late payment, what if you can't do that in your lease? Like, what if it's not late until the 15th? Mm-hmm. Okay, then you got to add 14 days onto that. You're at 29 days. That's one month. That's, that security deposit is gone. Okay? And now you have to get a court date mm-hmm. and hire an attorney. Mm-hmm. Is, is the court going to be able to see you? In sort of the rural area where we live, uh, I think you can get to city court here in the city of Batavia quicker, but even that is a little bit slower. I mean, uh, if you're in housing court, maybe in, in Buffalo or Rochester, you might be able to get in there faster, but those dockets are huge. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I, I don't know. I think, I think it's really pushing people out 
so just that that security deposit one alone that, that you know that 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 that, that could be an issue, and so, but that's what the law is. So we have to right. op, we have to operate within it, um, and uh, so if you see someone else is trying not to do that, you know, maybe I'm not advocating for that. I'm not saying you should do it, but I, I know there are people who do try to do that. You know, they, yeah, uh, I've seen people do both ways, right? And people are quick to uh, oh, let's just say educate folks. That's right. Yeah, yeah or point that out, right? Mm-hmm. And they're saying first, last, and, and security, and they're like, you can't do that. Like that's not a thing anymore. That's right. And you know, and <laughs> you always see like a week later, changed. It's like the post changes first, first. And, well, and, you know, I, and I think too that um, you know those changes, although they've been out for several years, some people, if they were operating in a different time, or they've been a mom mm-hmm. and pop landlord forever and a day, and this is how it's always been. I've always done this. I've never had a problem. Mm-hmm. It's making that leap now to that's nice, and I'm glad that it worked for you then. But if you really want to cover your, you know what, you're going to have to well, <laughs> refamiliarize yourself with everything. And one place nobody wants to find themselves is fair housing court. No, that's no. a terrible thing. I mean, us as realtors, that's kind of like the. That's the no-no land. Don't yeah. ever get yourself in that because that will sink you. Well, you know? it does. Yeah, I mean, because you could be liable for all sorts of damages, and, and that's that's tough. I mean, and that's fines plus damages, fines right? Plus damages, which are which aren't covered by insurance, by the way. Right. It's out of pocket. Um, and just talking about insurance, you know, you have to have certain things as a landlord. I think that's that's changed a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, people used to just have homeowners insurance policies, and say, and then they're like, "Well, we got insurance on the place." Well, actually, the tenant didn't have insurance, and you don't have insurance for the tenants. You have to have, you know, a landlord policy where you have, right. you know, uh, the ability to cover other individuals who are living at the residence, because mm-hmm. uh, a, a basic homeowners insurance policy is not going to do, do that. Which um, I could, which I found that is like almost sometimes twice the price. It's correct. Almost double. Yes. For the same amount of liability as a regular homeowner's yep. policy. Yep. But that's that's why you're seeing rents go up. Yeah. I mean, you have to. The, if 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 the if if you're going to do all these protections and, and quote unquote do it right, I think it was done right then. I think they're done right now. But uh, yeah, you're going to see rents go up. It's just the way the the market is. If you're if you're a landlord, and you're required to do all these things. You're going to be paying more, but also as a tenant, you can feel more comfort in knowing that, hey, my landlord actually does have insurance in case there was anything, and then right, uh, and tenants should be asking that. Correct. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. It's you know, it's much of an interview of what the right fit is and what's built into that agreement than a landlord interviewing a tenant. I think we always think of it that way. And the tenant should be advocating for themselves as well and thinking about what's in there as well. Sure. And I know rent's really expensive, but I think it's worth pointing out too, as as long as we're talking about insurance, that renter's insurance is really cheap. It can be, yeah. Right. I mean, relatively, you can talk about like maybe a hundred, a couple hundred bucks a year. Maybe. Yeah. For a lot, a lot of coverage. Yeah. So I mean, renters look into that. You know, if if you are worried that your landlord doesn't have proper coverage, Mm -hmm. you know, you should be empowered to take it upon yourself to cover yourself as well. Yeah, I would would hope so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's and that's something I even put in our lease agreements. You know. Uh, the the landlord recommends that you get XYZ policy uh, to cover your personal possessions because our insurance policy that we have does not cover your personal possessions. It covers the the structure of the property and, and the, the people, the, right? Yeah, you know, medicals yeah. medicals for the people. Correct. It's not personal not possessions. possessions. No. Yeah. So our lease says that it says, hey, you know, we, we highly recommend that you do this, and 
There you go. Do you find that to be a, a, maybe a misconception sometimes between oh, all, tenants and all landlords? The time, all the time. You know, when, the time. if if there was say, um, you know, God forbid, a fire mm-hmm. in a in a structure and a tenant lost their possessions and they kind of were say, okay, well, when am I getting my check? Yeah. And you're like, well, are you hurt? Yeah. And they're like, no. Well, you're not. Yeah. That's hard news. That is very hard news. That's, That's why and I mean, for good that. for good people to deliver news like that for people who have just went through something mm-hmm. like that. That's sure. tough. That is very. I, tough. That would be a tough pill for for me to say. Be like, well, I'm sorry, but you're not. Covered you know, under this. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that that's very tough. Um, yep. Yeah, you don't want that. Uh, you know, I, I would prefer people to, to to stay out of the courts most of the time. I think when it gets to the court stage, it's just ugly. It's just ugly, to my, in my opinion. I mean, you're standing there next to the person who <laughs> you're trying to evict or your landlord who's not doing the job that they're supposed to be doing. And just be 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 good. Be a good landlord. Be a good fair. Yeah. I would Let's say be fair with each other here. You know, I, I say have a fair, conversation. fair, yeah. but firm. Is that, always kind of my mantra. Sure, it's always fair, a good one. fair but firm. You know, people are people. We should treat each other as such. Yep. You know, we are all human beings that go through things. But yep. at some point, or at you know, there is a line to say, "Hey, I need you to start picking up some slack here." Yeah. You know, I've only, I'm I'm at my I can't hold anymore. Yep. And uh, I need I need your help. <laughs> sure. Basically, sure. I need you to help me out and do what you're supposed to. And if if we can't do that, then maybe we can amicably agree that this is. Maybe we've, our relationship has just run its course and Correct. we just need to come to an end, right? Yep. Um, you know, and that's how I look at it, right? It's yep. like, it's okay. I'm not, I'm not like upset. We're not angry. Yep. Um, you know, it's agitating sometimes, right? Sure. But it's like... But we're in a small community. We're in too. all these small communities. And so you're going to run into each other ultimately again, more Most than likely. likely. <laughs> and, um, you know, from the landlord perspective, if it is a business, obviously it is. You've got to... Protect, protect yourself, your run it like a business, respect yourself, respect your business, cover yourself. And, you know, rental increases. We've been talking about the fact that rents are higher than they've ever been. Well, you know, if you're you're not in the business to make money unless you are doing those increases, but you've got to communicate them. Correct. Um, and just do the paperwork, dot the I's, cross the T's. What would you say, Robert, are the number one um, tenant rights that need to be respected, et cetera. We know the the rule for quiet enjoyment for sure. That's mm-hmm. like the caveat one we always know. But what are some other things that you see from the, your perspective that are violated and the tenants have, have a case? Oh, sure. Uh, warrant of habitability. Um, okay. Where, where the, where the condition. The condition of the property. Uh, Say that one more time. It's war- warrant of habitability. Warrant of habitability. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It has to be habitable. And uh, what that means is not just that it has four walls and... <laughs> And it could be relative to some people, right? <laughs> it very well could be, yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. I can live in a tent in the woods right. for an extended period of time, but yeah. that doesn't mean you should be. You should do that to Correct. someone else. Yes, it's it's uh, you know what would be reasonable within the community with where where you are is, is what it comes down to. Um, so yeah, I mean, you do see a lot of a lot of bad rentals, um, and those are honestly, I have I have landlords who come to me, and I'm like. You want to Yikes. evict them, but that's that's not like the best living conditions just by the way. Um, so it's not gonna go for it. This isn't yeah, gonna go well nah, for you. This isn't gonna go. This is not gonna go well because you're gonna go to court. They're gonna hire an attorney, 
And next thing you know, you're going to have a bigger case on your hands than you even ever thought of having. Like you're trying to get, you know, your $750 back rent. You know, Blood from a, yeah, from a stone. You know, yeah. You want know, me to go chase that around? Why don't you go and paint those walls really quick here? Because that's not get good. Get rid of the mold. Yeah. 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 yeah you're going to end up spending $10,000 to collect seven. You're tripping over dollars to say, you know, yeah. to save pennies here. Yeah. And that's just not, that's yeah. not right. No. You have to have your, your P's and Q's in line, your ducks in a row. Yeah. Before you start asking, you know, people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones type right. of stuff and, and I've honestly found that um, the, there are very very good landlords out there who who maintain the property who will be there to fix something if it's broken uh, you know they, they renovate it every once in a while um, so I, I those, those are the things I like to hear you know I, I there's nothing better than I like when, when the landlord tenant calls me and says hey you know, do uh, you got a lease agreement? I think I got a good tenant. And sure, here you go. You know, it's a very quick transaction. It's very clean. It's when you get into the the other stuff that, that that's where, where all this comes into, all the, the laws, the statutory guidelines when you're going to go to court. Normally, be, because one party's not upholding their end of the bargain, yeah. and not, not, they're not only not upholding their end of the bargain, they're actually making it extremely difficult for everybody else involved. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you get... Um, you know, a bad tenant. We were just talking about bad landlords, but if you get a bad tenant in there, gosh, that can be it can be devastating at sometimes um, because they've, you know, they've destroyed the place. Yeah. I mean, just a, a small single uh, use bathroom. That's you know four or five thousand dollars if someone decides to start punching some holes in the wall, <laughs> and then you got to chase them around for the money. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah, good, good luck. luck. That is not going to happen. Um, so the landlords are really putting a lot on the line, and, and I respect it. And um, you know, I just I, I hope that everyone gets those those really good tenants because there are there are people who are just short term renters or yeah different they, types of tenants out there. Yeah, there's different types of tenants. Uh, you know, uh, we have a lot of medical residents who absolutely who we we're just to, talking about that. Yeah, yeah. who yeah. come to the area and they need a place to stay for six seven months. Yeah, uh, they send they send a short term lease and they're great tenants. First off, they're hardly ever there because they're at the hospital. They're, they're working, yeah. yeah, and that's great. Um, it's it's uh, so you know, um, I guess uh, knowing knowing who you're dealing with, uh, mm-hmm. knowing what the landlord's reputation is, knowing what the tenant's reputation is, uh, you know, there's certain questions that you can't ask as a landlord. Mm-hmm. Um, but what know, are some of those? Can you kind of well, can you elaborate? I don't know. Sure, sure. So you can't say, hey, uh, you know, uh, I'm I'm a member of uh, you know. Uh, this biker gang over here, uh, you got to come and join it if you want to come and rent with me. How does that sound? You know, you can't do yeah. any, you can't do anything like that. It can't be coercive. Uh, it can't be um, you know, um, I guess uh, biased towards uh, a particular trait of theirs mm-hmm. or, or a, a particular field of employment they're in or mm-hmm. religion. You know, your your basic common decency stuff. Let's. I mean, not it seems try. to be overlapping a lot with fair housing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course, yeah. those seem to be basic fair housing things yeah. also mm-hmm. as well. Um, what about uh, past evictions? Yeah, so that's actually a, it's a it's a great topic because it's a new change. You right, can, you can't use that against them. You can't use that against them, which I don't know. That's that's tough. I've noticed that screening companies are having a tough time offering the services in New York State, and Correct. so if you use screening services to help vet tenants, um, you don't. They just either don't offer the service in this state because they don't want any of that litigation or you get an extremely, I don't even want to say redacted. It's just abridged version. They're like, here it is. 
Here's a name. Yes, this person is who they say they are. <laughs> yeah. Right. So you're basically identif identity verification. Yeah. And maybe a credit history. Maybe. And that's what you get. You know, you're not getting any past evictions because, like you said, you can't, can't use, use those. you can't use those. Um, yeah. So. Well, that's that's from my perspective on a public policy standpoint, that's tough because you're setting a lot of landlords up for. I mean, just look at the news. Sometimes you have serial squatters, people who yeah. get into places and then. You know, you didn't really know what you were doing. Uh, so in, in that sense, I think it's cut, a, cut against the landlords. Um, but I know you can understand the other side of it, right? It's like, oh, I had, a, I had an eviction six years ago. Right. Sure. You know. I, maybe I was down on my luck at that point in time. I, I lost yeah. my job. These things happen. They do. I mean, there's yeah. grace. There <laughs> is. Make, it comes back to the human element of things. Sure. But I think that information, again, when you're in that business of of real estate and landlord and information helps you make the decisions an that informed decision <laughs> you, you can't really get much information besides that yeah. even past landlords are even previous landlords i've noticed when you um when you call and just try to have a conversation they're like hey i'm calling on this and they're like yeah i can only answer a few questions i'm like okay well uh you know why don't if you just send me the form of the questions that you can answer yeah. or whatever? They're like, no, you got to send me your form. And I'm yeah. like, what do you mean? I'm like, you're only going to answer a few questions anyways. So why, you know, just answer the questions you're going to answer, right? Sure. No, they'd rather no answer is better than than an answer, yeah. any than an answer than a wrong <laughs> answer. Be. Yeah. Right. It's what I've found. You can still do reference checks though, right? Yeah. I mean, oh yeah. So Fate answer, you yeah. know. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe that's your cue as a landlord. I think I think reference yeah. checks do do. Uh, this sort of an old school way of uh, of uh, verifying who you're working with, but you know, I mean, employers based yeah. on verification, making sure you have income, yeah, income verification. Yeah. So we, you can't. Uh, what is it? Uh, I want to say it right. You can't discriminate between. You can't discriminate against any lawful source of income. Correct. Right. right. Yep. Is that how it goes? Yep. Okay. Yep. So I mean, there, there's also the public housing, and yep. Um, but a lot of times, if you want to do the public housing as a landlord, you have to be you know, uh, qualified to do that. Inspected. Inspected. Yeah. And yep. The contracts actually come from, you know, quote, like Section 8 or something. I mean, those, they're going to prepare the contracts for you. You mean the rental contracts? The rental contracts. Oh, most okay. Of the so time. your agreement between, I see it, Section 8 and you, right? Uh -huh. And the tenant. Okay. The, the tenant's involved in that as well because Section 8 is paying the landlord directly. The tenant has to abide by this contract. I mean, it's a contract that uh, is, uh, they're, they're drafting it for you and then you use it. As a landlord, it's not sort of a bad idea either because it's sort of guaranteed income. Sure. Uh, as long as you're holding upholding your end of the bargain and correct. you make those stipulations. Yeah. Yep. Um, you, you find people that are really into that and they like that steady source of income and they have the wherewithal and administrative power to, to approach those processes yeah. that you have to do. It makes sense. Yeah. Robert, what's your experience with when, um, you know, or, or, or how does it work or how should it work <laughs> when you you a landlord engages with a tenant and um, it's they're not the person on the lease but then they invite other people you are tenants are allowed to have visitors of course and they're allowed to have a family member but there's a particular prescription for that right yeah yeah okay. yeah they have to I mean you have to know who's who's residing in the place um, and that, that's an insurance liability question as far as the landlord is concerned um, if you notice somebody, who's routinely there, um, you have a right as a landlord to sort of investigate who that is and what they're doing there. And uh, they're, they're not just a guest. Um, 
it's not always clear cut of when someone turns from a guest to uh, 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 unnamed tenant, so to speak. Okay. Um, but that's a great question for counsel. That's yeah. why you have counsel on the phone. Exactly. And you can give them the facts of, of what's happening, and then your counsel can say, "Hey, you know what? I think that you know A, B, or C you should do. Either get them added to the lease if you want them on there, or maybe they're violating the lease. You know, you're not allowed to have. You know, you have to have named tenants. Uh, we can't have unnamed persons. That's a, it's a major liability standpoint from a landlord, and I think. So maybe sometimes landlords shy away from that, but they should actually be a little aggressive about that because you don't know who is is, is being invited in, um, and that could be. That it's could, a game changer. That's a game changer for sure. Absolutely, it's who you're doing business with. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I guess that that leads into to another topic that that sort of goes with landlord tenant law and, and where the. Uh, um, it gets murky, but first of all, I just I hope everyone has great tenants and great landlords. Absolutely, that 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 that, that, that eliminates so much of these conversations. Obviously, we know that that doesn't happen, and, right. and that's what you have counsel for. You have counsel. You have people who who do this every day, and uh, so so I, I always wish for the best for all my landlords and tenants. I just wish it's a great experience. But uh, the, when it's not, then we can then that's when you start delving into these nitty-gritty details sure. but there is one scenario that I, I'd like to talk about that when when I first started it was something that was commonly done and then uh, I, I lost really bad in court one time and learned that this is not the way it's done and that is uh, uh, lease to owns or uh, land mm-hmm. contracts land contract. um, they are not good ideas I was never comfortable doing them when when quote-unquote they were allowed it's not like they're like not disallowed these days um, but that muddies up the landlord-tenant relationship extremely because, um, you know, you have you have these... Purchase wrapped in with Tennessee. Yeah, and, and you can't separate it. You cannot separate it. So let me give you an example. So uh, a tenant puts down, you know, a $5,000 security deposit. Right. But, but it's, really, it's really like an earnest money deposit, okay? Yeah. And... Uh, and then their rent is is their mortgage payment, which is their principal and interest, but it's rent also. Right. So you it really, gets tricky. It gets really tricky. You don't <laughs> you don't know which way it goes. Right. Um, and then from there, uh, you know, say the tenant's been there, so they, they put the five thousand dollars down, they have paid uh, faithfully their rent for rent mortgage, whatever you call it, for four or five years. Um, they're like in the last year of their. Uh, quote unquote payment period where they're going to own the house now. Say they're like, you know, twenty thousand dollars short on a hundred fifty thousand dollars house. But then say like they get sick, okay? Yeah. And they're they're out of they're out of work for a month, and the landlord says, oh, well, you know what? You're in default. You're in default. You're a tenant, and now you're a normal tenant. <laughs> now you're a normal tenant. I'm evicting you. You're out. Yeah, um, I mean, that's tough. The, that those were those were wild situations, and well, that can almost be predatory. Oh, you can you can 100%, run hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, would you find, or I won't say have you found, but could it be found that people are running business models on that? Like, oh yeah, I hope you, I hope you yes. mess up, and you know, and it's yeah. like that's not good. Yeah, like that, you're hoping ill on somebody mm-hmm. because then you get to keep all their money and yeah. kick them out and do it all over again. Yeah, there, 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 it's I, terrible. It's difficult. horrible. So, if yes, I mean, I and I, I've had potential clients come up and tell me these situations. I'm like, whoa, like no. No, 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 that's not, that's not good. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you what happened though. And uh, this was, a, I found myself in a very tricky situation one time. Um, I had a client who, so there was a, they had a tenant. They really only took the first and last month's 
my facts might, might not be right, but I'll, I'll give you like a sort of a general idea of what it was. Yeah. Um, they collected a, a first and last month as a security deposit, okay? Um, it was a rent to own. They said, hey, we'll use that security deposit as an earnest money deposit on, uh, if, if you can complete the land contract, so to speak, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and they were paying a monthly rent, which was like, it'd be deducted off the purchase price. Okay, okay if it was, you know, they'll convert it from rent to mortgage payment. Um, well, this person was like a year and, and three months in, okay? So they had the, 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 the two security deposits, so to speak. They had, uh, you know, 15 months of rent, mortgage payments, whatever you call it, in. And uh, my they stopped paying. Okay, they stopped paying. And it was like, what do you consider this? Is it like a rent-to-own or is it a, a landlord-tenant situation? Well, I was directed to go That's to court. Hard. I was directed to go to court and find out for myself. So I brought a petition to evict this person, and um, I went to the court. And uh, the 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 tenant actually the tenant, I guess you'd call him like a, a vendee. Uh, the the person who was buying the property um, or renting the property, however you look at it, uh, they had uh, hired an attorney. Mm. Okay. And that so the the ju- the justice court was like, oh no, we're not handling this. They kicked it to city court. And uh, it came down that the judge had to make a decision whether or not uh, the person was a tenant or if they were a purchaser mm-hmm. and the landlord was actually a, a, a mortgagee, so someone holding a mortgage. Interesting. And so, and that's a huge difference because in, a, in eviction, at the time, it was 72 hours and you could be out. Or foreclosure. Or foreclosure, yes. which is years, yes. and it's very expensive. They found they they ruled against us. We we had thought that they were a tenant. You know that was our argument at the time. Um, the court said no. You know what the court said? They are a a bona fide owner of an equity owner of this property. Even yeah. though they're not entitled, they're an equity owner. You have to go and foreclose on them. Wow. And I was like, whoa. I, I was like, I was always uncomfortable doing those. I never liked them. It was a thing that a lot of people did, um, you know, even pre-2011. It was just a thing. Right. It, it was a way for people to sort of buy homes. You can understand the yes. philosophy behind yes. it. Yes. It helped people who couldn't get a mortgage um, buy homes. But then you had those landlords who... Better terms. Right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Better terms, yeah. but Qualifications weren't as stringent. Right? Correct. You're not doing credit checks on them or anything. But you had those landlords who took advantage of, of what you were saying, Josh, of... Hey, I just got $120,000. I'm going to treat you like a tenant. Now get out. Okay? I mean, you had that. Um, ours was sort of a, a really murky gray. Where they, I mean, they were only there for 15 months. But then again, they did put down a deposit. They had made some changes to the property. But So nowadays, I, I advise anybody who comes to my office, do not do it that way. You, you're, either, you're either buying the property and the quote-unquote landlord isn't going to be a landlord. They're, they're going to be a seller. And you're going to get a mortgage a, from a them. A note holder. Yeah. They're going to be a note holder. And you're actually going to go and record that mortgage mm-hmm. down at the county clerk's office. Mm-hmm. And you're actually going to get a deed into your name. So still to this day, I will get, you know, three to four phone calls a month to say, hey, me and this guy want to do a land contract. And I, I just, right there, mm-hmm. I say, I, I do not do those anymore. So uh, landlords, tenants, I, 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 I mean, I, I don't know who does them anymore. I, I refuse to do them because <laughs> it leaves... Unsavory too people. Much unknown. Yeah. Yes. Too, well, too much up in the air. Like yeah. you said, and what's the interpretation right. of what they are? Are they a tenant or are they, a, like you said, an equity owner? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and there you are. So if anyone's facing that situation who's listening, 
stay out of it. You yeah. know, you, you either call Robert. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. You call me. I <laughs> I can tell you to stay out of it very quick. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but you're you're either a landlord or or you're a note holder. What, yeah. what, what do you want to be? Um, yeah. Make a decision. Make it clear. Make it make it very clear. And and that gets back to the contract and of, of what's spelled out and everybody's responsibility and make it. Crystal clear. Yep. I think that's where we get into trouble a lot when people don't think that way. So if we do find ourselves on the landlord side and we do have to, you know, evict people, what is, I mean, can you summarize that process? Basically, sure. Like the events. Sure. That, sure. That go along with that. So there's, there's different scenarios. There's uh, when, um, you know, you, you want to uh, cancel the lease. Okay. Or you want to term if it, you don't want to renew it basically you know you get not renew you give them a 90 day 60 day 30 day let them know we're not renewing it unless the lease says it's a non-renewable lease which turns into a month to month so there's that situation um, a lot of times it comes down to the non-payment uh, someone doesn't make their payments uh, they don't on time and they right. don't they don't uh, make it according to the, the the last date of payment allowed under the lease um, and the landlord calls and says, what do I do? And one of my first things is go and talk to them. Right? Yeah. Ask them what's going on. Uh, is there a way they can make it up? Uh, you know, is it just done? Are they not going to pay? You just try to have a clear conversation. Um, from that from that point, say it just doesn't go anywhere and they don't pay. Uh, you're looking at serving a 14-day notice. So you get your process server out there, local law enforcement, marshal, whoever it is. They'll go out and serve the tenant. Um, then you give them that 14 days to pay. Is that basically the pay or quit? The pay or, yeah, yeah, the pay or quit, 14 days or, or leave, Okay. which used to be the three days or leave. Sure. And on the basis of that alone, if they don't pay within that 14 days, you can go and file a petition uh, to recover uh, the real property. Um, and, and that's where you're at. Not Now you have to get a, a date from the court, and there's certain timelines of, of how it has to be served. You know, it's usually, it used to be... I think between three and 10 days. Um, I haven't had to do one recently. I know they've changed a little bit. I think it's 14 days now. You have to serve that petition into court. Um, and then the court will give you a date. You go back to that date and then you show up for court. Mm-hmm. And if the tenant doesn't show up, there's a default judgment. Uh, the court will issue a warrant. Warrants are usually uh, executable within 72 hours. So you'll call the sheriff. The sheriff will come out within 72 hours. I'll let the person know that uh, they have to leave mm-hmm. um, or they'll be escorted out. And there's, uh, even before that process, though, say the tenant does show up to court, okay, um, you, know, you usually have a conversation about, hey, you're going to leave, and then you put a stipulation on the record. Uh, Is that like prior to even entering into the room? Like yeah. The, the councils may, uh, you, know, you say, do you want to, are you sure you want to go forward with this? Correct. Or like... Yeah. Do you just want to leave? Do you just want to leave? Correct. And we can just say, sorry to waste your time. We all go home and everything's good. Yep. Yeah. You can do it pre-court or sometimes I ask the judge to put it on the record. A lot of the judges that I go in front of uh, still to this day will say, hey, did you have conversations beforehand? Yes, we did. Uh, they were either fruitful or they weren't, un- or they were unfruitful. And, uh, and then, you know, the judge will say, okay, well, is there a stipulation? You know, can you come to an agreement? Sure. Listen, I said they can have twenty days. We'll keep the security deposit, and we'll call it. We'll call it even. The judge will put it on the record, and the judge will say, "Okay, you know, uh, counsel might ask. I would normally ask um, judge. I would just ask that a warrant be issued and held in abeyance, 
um, if uh, the terms aren't met of the stipulation. Mm -hmm. And then yeah, I can come and get the warrant saying the judge said, yep, if everyone agrees to that, I'll hold the warrant here. Um, if the terms aren't met within the 20 days or if you don't leave or the tenant right. being or if the security deposit didn't give back, then I'll, I'll issue the warrant at that time. Um, so I've had judges hold warrants back. Um, but when you when when they don't you're show trying the, to peaceably resolve I correct mean, at the end of the day you are um, you know a lot of times too if they don't show up like the scenario I was talking about that's when you get the sheriff over there and uh, even if you say you say you have a tenant who doesn't want to peacefully leave and you actually get to get a warrant at the court like say they show up to court they think the landlord's completely wrong uh, they think they but but their facts don't meet their perceptions okay they're just they they've lost the case the landlord's won. Um, and the court issues a warrant, uh, you know, the same scenario, the sheriff will come out, they'll serve them with the warrant, but that's, it's time consuming too. Yeah. You know, it costs a lot of money to get the sheriff out there. Yeah. Uh, you have to pay a certain poundage sometimes. Um, and not only that, you have to have uh, like a storage unit ready. Like if that tenant right. isn't ready to leave, you have to have a storage unit lined up so you can hold the tenant's belongings for at least 30 days. So the sheriff will a lot of times will say, okay, we'll go and serve that warrant, but we're not going to execute on it until you can show us that uh, that you're ready to actually evict them, which means we'll, we'll, we'll take the person, you got to take all their possessions, and you got to have a storage facility for 30 days that they have access to if they want to. It's very, very complicated. I mean, I've had to, I've had to go that far. Actually, last year I, I did go that far with one. Um, I had a, a tenant who came to court, uh, protested what we were doing, lost. Um, we had to get the sheriff out there. The sheriff and this person was a hoarder. I mean, it was it was awful. Lots of stuff. There was so much stuff. My client could not get storage containers big enough. I mean, she had to get one of those ones that you come that you, that you drive into the house and you, you lay down on a forklift in the driveway and Unbelievable. it was all garbage. It was all garbage, old pop cans and stuff, but. A lot of that stuff you got to keep it because you don't even know what their possessions are. You don't know anything. So right. the sheriff was like, "Good luck," and it took probably two to three months for them to find uh, a place like a storage facility that would actually accept all that stuff. Wow. Um, so yeah, I mean, it can get. That's the process, though, and that's the way it's set up. Yeah. Um, New York doesn't really have an abandonment law, so to speak. So I was um, going to ask because sometimes people mm -hmm. just go missing. Yeah. Or they don't communicate. Go they don't. Missing. They don't. <laughs> they call, do. Well, <laughs> Go, go missing. The they, I know, well, you, don't, I I know don't, you don't mean it like that. I don't that. mean it, man. This isn't the Godfather, no. but you know what I'm saying. I would hate for something to happen to you. Yeah, well, <laughs> but the point being that they become uncommunicative or it doesn't seem that they're there. And, you know, you're concerned, a wellness check. I mean, what are the steps when something like that happens? Yep, uh, have counsel on hand to, yeah. to, help you work, you to help you work through the facts. And part of that is if, if you don't see anybody there for... And they haven't given you notice that they're going on vacation or... Right, because that's usually addressed in the lease as well. Correct. When, you know, if you're going to be gone, you got to give notice so someone can come in and check on the utilities, etc. Correct. Yep. Yeah, so that's spelled out in the lease agreement. And, uh, but if, if there's no notice, I mean, you have a right to go over there and secure the property. You do. And you have a right to inspect it and enter it anyway. I mean, lease agreements do say that. 24 hours, right? Reasonable notice. Correct. Yep. Um, but if you're not getting a response, you have every right to go over there and secure the property. And like I said, New York doesn't really have an abandonment law. Um, generally, my feeling is, is if uh, the property is unsafe in the sense that no one's watching it, uh, no one's living there, it doesn't look like anybody's been checking on it, 
I said, you go over there and check on it for the next 30 days, okay? And if no one's there, change those locks because we don't know where those keys are. No one's ever contacted us. I, tell, I do tell people to change the locks. I said, change it and secure the premises. It's because yours. there's a time when you can do that and when you can't do that. Correct. Yeah, you yeah. can't change the locks on your tenant when Correct. There. <laughs> yeah, while they're there. So, so it's, a very, okay. it's a very fine line yeah. that, you know, that you really have to have counsel there because, I mean, uh, people will, you know... Uh, Appear out of the blue. Like, hey, yeah, I was living there. <laughs> yeah, I knew. What do you mean? I've been watching this place for, like you I'm said, I'm one of those days. family members yeah. that was a guest, and now I'm not. That's right. I'm not on the lease. That's right. Yeah. Or you get the it's landlord tricky. who's like, no, they abandoned it, and then you find out later they they just went to work for a couple hours. <laughs> they come back and they can't get in their house. Yeah. I mean, it's horrible. That, that, that's a that's a, a you know an illegal uh, eviction. Yeah. Uh, so. so what I'm understanding though is, as far as the eviction process goes, it's and I use this phrase a lot is it's it's simple, but it's not easy. Correct. Right. It's simple. There weren't a lot of steps to that. I mean, you said but you, ser- you certainly notice time. 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 So and it's not and easy. And if this, then that. Yeah. If this, then that. I mean, there's so many variables. Well, it's not easy in the sense that you have to make sure it, you have, everything has to be perfect when, when you file it. Do right? the right things in the right order at the right time. You got it. Yeah. And so that's that. That's a lot actually. When you're when you're when you're working with uh, tenants who might be erratic sometimes too, mm-hmm. or like they'll say like they'll pay you and you've already started the court proceeding and and they pay you like you know, a quarter of what's really owed. Are you supposed to accept it? Are you not supposed to? Payment. That's another yeah, thing, right? Oh, they like, attempted to pay you. Yeah. Right. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, so, um, and then even the, the court process, I have found the actual court process. There's, there's judges who know the landlord tenant law and there's judges who don't. And if you get one who doesn't really, you're, you're, you're sitting there and you're trying to guide them stuff and, and yeah, and it just gets messy and you have to be really worried about retaliation. People sure. want to retaliate these days, um, breaking the stuff at the house. So they're right. going about it gently. That's why I, I, I do use a, a private process server instead of law enforcement most of the time. Because I can just send over, I can send him over there. He can have a conversation with him. Sure. Say, hey, this is what I'm giving you. You know, if you want to talk to the landlord, you're more than welcome to. There's a number at the bottom of the thing. And they'll sort of explain it. And uh, it's not coercive in any manner, but... Um, Enough where you can, it's, 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 we can still make this amicable. It's not ever so adversarial yet, but when you start involving the sheriff and you're sending the sheriff yeah. over there, then there's it, no then, going back. There's no going back after that one. So, um, yeah, it, it is a complicated process. Uh, the, the, the laws just change, the laws changing itself have made it complicated. Right. Um, cause we're still trying to learn them all and starting to learn all the nuances of, I mean, we, we can read the law, right? We can read and, and see what it says, but how is that interpreted into this situation? Exactly. What what's well, happened in the in the meantime? And you also have precedents, right? Well, that's that's I'm getting you at. have yeah. court, court precedents, yes. which is pre, you know correct me if I'm wrong because I am not an attorney. Sure, is yeah. just past proceedings. Correct, and how it was issued, how it was handled, and does our situation match up to this situation? Yeah. Should we handle it in a in a similar or same fashion? Correct. correct. Yeah, no, that's what precedents are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, how was a certain portion of the law interpreted? in this court or that court. And sometimes they're different. Um, and right. we're, we're still learning all those things. I think uh, in, in the next year or so, you're gonna have a really firm foundation, as long as things don't continue to change, of how to do it. You're gonna start seeing it pick up. Not, not, not that you're evicting more people, but the actual process itself being a lot more smoother, okay. a lot less complicated, efficient. a lot more efficient. Yeah, because right now it, it's sort of like rocky. It's like, what do I do here in this situation? What do I do there? Is this the right way to go about it? Am I just doing cash for keys? You know, is, is one day is 
this cash for keys not going to be like allowed anymore. You know, right. who knows? Me, coming yeah. years, right. you know? um, so you're, you're you're really trying to work through all those things. And uh, what's the easiest under the situation that we're working with? So we've talked about evictions, but I mean, as far as judgments <coughs> go, because now we're talking about recovery, right? Because yeah. obviously you're out a bunch of money, probably yeah. if it's a non-payment case. I mean, and that's a totally different thing, right? That's a that's a that's a separate retainer. You you know you're, you're getting into the debt collection now, mm-hmm. and are you? Is your like for my practice? If I'm trying to collect on uh, a debt, am I a debt collector under the Debt Collection Act? You know, what I mean, am, am I? That's that's tough. That's really tough when you're trying to collect. And I mean, it, it might be for a couple thousand dollars to the landlord. That's a lot of money, but, but you, might, you you might be spending that much in attorney's fees chasing that money around, and whether or not you're going to get paid is very very. And I think maybe yeah, it's... Do you cut your losses, time is money, stop the hemorrhage, and correct. start again? Or? And so I've read, and I've read this, and you, again, stop me at any time. You may be able to get a judgment for a default or amount of money, but that doesn't mean... It's still your responsibility, my landlord's responsibility, or whoever won that judgment, to collect. You have to go and enforce it. How do you do that? Yeah. And that's what I think you're trying to get. And that's what you get at, right? Yeah. And that's the point you make. And it's like, yeah. you may win the judgment. You may win it. They may not even show up, and this could be easy. Yeah. But how do you get blood from a stone? Yeah, you're right. Not, you're and not that's, gonna... that's the, again, the And so do you really do you want to do case. this? Yeah. No, that's I do ask people that a lot. Like, do you really want to go down that hole? Because, you know, you're, you're going to spend a lot of money chasing these people around. I mean, you have to do, like, like an income execution over you have to do a lot of steps. You have to go to this tenant who owes you, say, $3,000, okay? You got to go to him and say, here's a letter. Please tell me where your bank account is so that I can go garnish your wages, <laughs> right? right? Let me get right on that. How's that going to work? That goes in the round file. Yeah. I mean, uh, so, so then you have to go to the next steps and then the next steps. And eventually, if you're very, very lucky, you might find out where they work and you might be able to serve them at their work before they leave that place of employment. And I mean, under so the table, under the table, I mean, yeah. you're chasing, you're really chasing things around and you're spending a lot of money to do it. You got to do it right. And from an attorney's perspective, it's like, you have to be so careful because are you, a, are, are you, are you crossing the threshold from being an attorney to a debt collector? And if you're in a debt collector, it's a whole different ball game. Every time someone answers the phone at your office, they have to say, oh, "This is a oh, debt. Co- this is a debt collection Attempting agency." To collect. To collect to that. So you got it. So I mean, I've had a lot of tenants say, "You know, pre 2019, I would do a lot of that stuff. I I would help people collect on, on their judgments just by filing with the county clerks, for example, and then they would hit their credit report. Well, that's not the case anymore. Judgments at county clerks don't show up in your credit report anymore. Credit." Uh-huh. Credit companies don't look at the county clerk records anymore, but that's really where judgments are filed. Sure. They're right. filed there. And it stays for five years? Ten years. Ten years. Ten wow. years. And then you can renew it for another ten years. For like 50 bucks yeah. or something? Yeah. Is that, I've heard I, that I number forget. thrown around. Yeah, I actually, I forget, what the, I think it's like $10, but, I, but each, okay. the county clerk will tell you. It's very, very yeah, yeah, yeah. Um So, I mean, yeah, you can get the judgment as far as like, and then go file it at the county clerk office. You're not doing a debt collection. All you're doing is giving notice uh, that this person has a judgment out there, which is doesn't really mean anything. It's a sort of a paper tire because it's not going on their credit. Uh, their employers aren't looking at the county clerk records to see a judgment's filed against them. Uh, you can't discriminate if you do have judgments right. against you. I mean, you're. I mean, would that only matter if you're doing transactions within the county, though, like a real property transaction or like a DMV transaction or something correct. like that? Yeah. Like, oh, okay, yeah, we see that. Yeah. And then would that hold any of that up for them? Well, uh, say, I mean, very limited circumstances. Like if, uh, 
if they um, wanted to buy a house, okay, right, and then they did a judgment search on them, then it would pop up, and they'd be like, oh, okay, well, we can't, we can't sell you this house because the minute we sell you this house or we, we give you a mortgage on this house, that's going to be an automatic judgment against that house. And now someone can try to collect. Um, so, I mean, yes, it, okay. you, you basically have to be buying a house for it, for it to be seen. To come up. To really come up. Right. Yeah. I guess, and that's kind of, it seems kind of dubious, but you, you that's kind of the point is it's just making it difficult yes. for someone to transact. Can you can you move on? It's not fun, and you know you're out, you're out funds, but you're yeah. just, like you said, you're chasing a ghost to an extent. And yeah. It's a lot of time, and it's a lot of energy, and it's, you know, soul eroding. <laughs> it, it can be. You yeah. know, yeah. it really can trying, be. Trying to chase it around, you're going to spend way more time and heartache. Uh, and that, that's, that's unfortunate, but that's, you know, if you want to be a landlord, do it all up front. Yeah. Do your, your due diligence up front so that you're not worrying about that later on. So that if you do have a, a bad break, which, which they will come, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's already covered. You've already, you've already sort of cushioned for all those bad breaks and you're not calling me you know, 30 times over the course of a month trying to chase someone down to work at McDonald's. Right. Yeah. You know, really, like, and then they quit there and then they go wherever else they go and, uh, yeah, I, I see them, they owe me money. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, with uh, a Bronx tale. I always go back to a, oh. a Bronx tale. Have you ever seen the Bronx tale? Yeah. Yeah. Where, where he's like, he owes him the money and he's like, he's chasing around. He's like, why are you chasing him around? He's like, just let him go. Cut your losses. You look like, you know, so that's it's a, not for the faint of heart. You've right. got to, if you're really going to get into this business, you've got of being a landlord and investment property properties and stuff. I think people think, oh, I'm just, it's going to be raining money, That's but right. you've got to be prepared. You got to go from there. Um, I know we've gone probably way over time. I just have a couple quick questions because it's yeah. kind of a hot topic that comes up a lot. Robert is, you know, fair housing. We touched on that today and that's really important. That in itself can be its own episode. But what's coming up a lot now are service animals and emotional support animals. Yep. And where you've got folks, and we, we get calls about this all the time from clients that maybe have an investment property and they have never permitted animals in the home as part of their lease agreement. What can and what can't you do now? Not too much. I mean, if, if they have a, a certified doctor's note saying that they, that's an emotional support animal, you can't discriminate against them. That's, that's what it is. Um, you, and you can't change the rent based upon them having that animal. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that's it's 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 being used a lot more. Um, those are one of the areas that we're still, you know, quote unquote, learning mm-hmm. as we go along. But yeah, you can't discriminate against anybody who does, uh, you know, have that that uh, that requirement under like a prescription. I guess I, I considered a medical condition, a, a medical right? Condition, correct. A trait, a medical condition, something yeah. to that effect. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes I hear folks, but well, but the property owner is deathly allergic to what you call it. Okay. You know. Those are things we're learning still. I, yeah, I know. I just, it's just, it's such a... Well, if it's owner-occupied, that falls into a different set. Yeah. Right, right. for yeah. everything anyway. You know, you're excluded from a certain set of that. And, you know, I'm not I'm not advocating for anybody to be discriminatory. Right. You know, I, I just, just operate in good faith always. Correct. But if you are an owner-occupant, there's a different set of... Correct. A different set of rules. Yep. Yep. when it comes to that, those things. And I'm seeing that, I think, out of necessity with low inventory and people that are getting into the real estate market in different ways, that they are 
looking at owner-occupied situations again. That you Correct. know maybe that's an opportunity where okay, I'm going to live in half of the house. I'm going to rent that out. It's going to help my mortgage payment, and then I can be a bit more discerning with what's going to be the best fit because I am an owner-occupant. But that's only in that situation. If you're not inhabiting that property, you're you are beholden to these laws and to fair housing and all these other things. And again, it's the onus of the landlord to really understand that. Right. I, if you could offer an opinion, would you say that some of that, those things also is what could drive rents up? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, mean, it, 100%. I would classify that almost as like administrative issues and costs too. Correct. Like the more things you have to do or the more things you have to shoulder, I mean, the costs go up, right? That's the way it is. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, I think it's good to understand both sides of those things that yes, these people need this, but you know, also that comes with a cost Correct. To, to administer and deal with yep. those things. Yep, I agree. Well, we've covered a wide gamut of all things here and can't thank you enough, Robert. Yeah. Were there some resources that you wanted to share, something um, that was important yeah. that you think would be good? Yeah, the, the Attorney General's, I mean, you can go to the Attorney General's website. They have handbooks there for landlords and tenants. Okay. Um, awesome. so you can just go right to Google and say, Attorney, New York State Attorney General Landlord Guidebook or Tenant Book, and it'll pop up there when your first searches. So that's a, a great resource center uh, to, to go to for both parties. Some of this Perfect. stuff seems kind of mysterious or elusive to us when we're searching for it, right? Yeah. Because we're all just searching for the easy answer. Yeah. But you should also be searching for the proper resource. Yep. Like that's important, right? Is. Is searching yeah. the proper resource instead of just taking whatever the old Google machine says. Right. Yeah, yeah. you can go ahead and rip that door off and kick that toilet <laughs> in. Yeah, why not? It's fine. Right. No, that is not true. That's right. <laughs> and that's I would right. hope that a major takeaway, whether you're a landlord yourself, you're a tenant yourself, is that seek legal counsel. Seek legal counsel. It's got to, you know, to take Robert's words, it's got to be done perfect, perfectly. Yeah. It's got to be, whatever the situation is, whatever you're trying to resolve, it's got to be, it's timely, it's costly, but it's got to be done right. So yeah. don't do a bunch of hiccups and, and, and skip overs. Call Robert. There you go. <laughs> so how, how can people get a hold of you, Robert, if they have a conflict or they have more information and uh, fact collecting? Sure. Um, what's the best way to reach you? Um, call the office. Okay. Um, we have a website, uh, stresslaw.com. Uh, we have a couple of assistants there who are always answering the phones. I answer the phone majority of the time. And uh, give the office a call. We're what there. is the phone number? 585-786-9949. Uh, Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Make sure you give them a call for all your real estate needs. Yeah, I'd appreciate it. We're here to help. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Robert. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having yeah. us um, entertain our, um, our question and answer period today. And thank you for everyone who's listening as well. Um, you know that you can follow us on social media at the Get Real Estate Podcast um, yep. on Instagram That's and right. Facebook. And um, shoot us a line if you have other topics and questions you want to ask us about. It's the Get Real Estate Podcast at gmail.com. Absolutely. Thanks, everybody. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for tuning in with us today. We hope to see you next time. We're going to be doing this a lot more, so to be sure to leave us a review and a rating as it lets us reach more people and lets us know how we're doing. We hope you're doing well. Cheers until next time.